Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Um, I want to start out tonight just by acknowledging veterans in my family. I have two great-grandfathers who served in the war. On my mother's side, there was... um, uh, my great-grandfather, Robert John Clark, who enlisted in 1917 in Cairns and then joined the 9th Battalion in England um, to fight in France and returned, survived his wounds to return in 1919. On my father's side, I want to acknowledge Charles Craigie Bonner, who enlisted in 1915 and joined the 15th Regiment of the Lancashire Fusiliers and fought in France. He returned in 1919 with a bullet in his skull that was removed and he lived to be the father of my grandmother who, when she was 14, um, she worked in a manufacturing plant in Manchester, England, helping to assemble the automatic pilot for the Spitfire, right? And so I I just acknowledge their service and their sacrifice. Whenever you go to an Anzac service, you feel something really unique in Australian society. Society, you you feel a sense of deep reverence, a deep sense of sacredness, a a profound respect that's really hard to find in Australian culture. And so, um, you know, I often reflect on what it is that evokes in us that kind of depth of respect. And of course, there is the fact that many people who paid the ultimate price to go and give their lives for a cause bigger than themselves. But I also think that we know as human beings that to do that, you have to act completely against your natural instinct. And that Each of us as human beings, along with every other living thing on this planet, is programmed to fulfill one goal, survival, yeah? We live to survive. Our genetic programming, our software program says survive and reproduce. And that's how the ordinary human being operates. I want to acquire in life. I want to secure my environment and I want to reproduce myself psychologically to be something in the world, to be something significant, and I want to reproduce myself biologically as well. That's where the procreation drive comes from. And so when somebody acts in the way that a warrior does, that an Anzac does, they go against all that programming. And Jesus says in In Luke 17.33, he says, whoever strives to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will keep it. It's not one of the verses that you'll find on a fridge magnet at the Christian bookstore. (laughs) And in John, he uses more incisive language. He says, the one who loves his life will lose it. The one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. 
And the footnote in my study Bible says that there is no other saying of Jesus Christ that is emphasized as much as this one. It occurs once in Mark, once in John, twice in Matthew, three times in Luke. And yet it's not really talked about that much. And I think it's because we don't understand it. And, and I feel the archetype, the pattern, the model of the warrior gives us an insight into what Jesus might have been talking about. You see, there's this quote by a man whose name was Ronald Spears, Lieutenant Colonel Ronald Spears. And he uh, was a, a US Army officer in World War II. And it, the story goes that he was in live action and he c- comes across some soldiers who are hiding in a ditch. And he says these words to them. The only hope you have is to accept the fact that you are already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. And, and so there's this paradox of the warrior. The only way I can be a warrior is to give up striving to save my life. And so I want to spend some time this morning unpacking that together with you. You know, the first thing that the place I want to go, I want to talk about the sayings of a surrendered warrior, the sayings of a surrendered warrior. Um, and the first place I want to go is the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verse 29. Most of you, I expect, will know it well. It's often taught from in church. Anyway, the story is that the, the, the disciples are asking Jesus, how should we live in anticipation of the fullness of times? How should we live in anticipation of God's purposes being fully revealed in the world? And Jesus responds with this parable. He says, there is a man who wants to go away on a long journey. He invites his servants to come to him and he entrusts them with his wealth. He gives five talents to one servant. Now a talent is worth 15 years wages for an ordinary laborer. So fairly sizable amount of money. So the first servant gets five talents. The second servant, he entrusts with two talents. And a third servant, he entrusts with one talent. And Jesus tells a story that the master goes away on his journey. He comes back. He calls the servants to him. And then he says to them, what did you do with what I entrusted you? And the first servant says, Master, you gave me five. Look, I've done business, I've traded, and I've created another five. Here, here's here's ten talents. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. The second servant comes forward. He says, Master, you gave me two. I've produced another two. And Jesus responds exactly the same way. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. And the second servant's really important to the parable because at this point we know that the master is not rewarding his servants based on the amount they produce, 
but by the fact of them doing something with what they were entrusted. The third servant comes forward. He says, Master, I know you drive a hard bargain. I know you reap where you do not sow, he says. So I took your talent and I buried it. Here's your talent back. Now, it may not show up this way to us, but in the Jewish context, to loan money at interest was a sin. It's forbidden in Exodus, Deuteronomy, Ezekiel. It's a sin. It's against Jewish law. So this guy to the Jewish listeners that Jesus is teaching actually shows up as really pious, righteous. And so the master's response in Jesus' parable is all the more shocking to them because the master says, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I drove a hard bargain, then at least you could have put your money with the bank so I could have collected it with interest. Now, as somebody who works at a bank, this is probably the only verse in the Bible that makes me feel validated (laughs) in my occupation. So I had to include it today, but (laughs) Jesus finishes his, his parable by saying, to him who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And I often read that verse and thought, how can someone who does not have even have what they have taken away from them? But I believe what Jesus is pointing to to is an attitude of I don't have. He who has an attitude of I don't have even what he has will be taken away from him. And the first saying of the surrendered warrior is, you must play. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, an option not to do anything with what you've been entrusted with is not available to you. You see, the survival project, the survival drive in you will want to Avoid taking risks. It will want to preserve. It will want to keep itself. Play safe. But Jesus is saying that is not how the disciple can play. You might only have one talent, but you take risks. You go and you strive to see the full potential or whatever is inside of you outworked in this small life that you have. And I love the story of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. Again, expect you, you may know that one. The story is that the disciples are in the boat, they're traveling across the lake, and Jesus thinks it's a good idea to walk out on the water to them. They freak out. He explains to them, it's him. And then Peter says this, he says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come to you on the water. The part in this story which surprises me the most is Jesus' automatic response is come. Even though he knows how this is going to play out. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying that whenever heaven sees someone stepping out of the grandstand of their life, stepping out of the boats, moving on to the arena of life, being in action with an intention to fulfil the potential and the possibility for their life, the answer is always come. Yes. The result 
is a side story. The main event is you as a disciple moving to act. And where I'm going next is in another parable um, to just unpack this idea of the surrendered warrior in um, a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus tells the parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure hidden in a field. He buries the treasure and, and Jesus says, and with great joy, goes away, sells all he has and buys that field. And the second saying of the surrendered warrior is all in, all in. And all through Jesus' ministry, you see him appealing to his disciples that there is no allowance for a partial commitment. He's asking for something, a totality of the human endeavour. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. When Jesus is asked, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Absolutely total. Sometimes we talk about um, coming across dry times in our lives. And... um, I've learned to look whenever I feel dry, whenever I feel like I'm not feeling the God's presence, whenever I'm not hearing his voice, I've learned to look where I'm not being total. Whatever you bring totality to, you bring life to. Have you ever been to a wedding where the bride and groom um, commit to themselves 85% to each other? You know, the beauty of a wedding is the totality of the giving of two people to one another. And and I I just want to offer you counsel today that whatever good is going to happen in the course of your being in life and playing will only come from your giving yourself 100% to that. And you can, and this is not about talking about spectacular things. This is talking about the ordinary arenas of your life, the arena of your marriage, the arena of being a parent, the arena of being a business owner, the arena of being an employee. 100%. And, and Jesus keeps bumping up against this thing with his disciples. They see the crowds coming to him. They see how popular Jesus is getting. And meanwhile, they're thinking about their own ambitions and where this is leading them to. and What this will mean to them. Again, the survival project, right? It's working in the background. All these wonderful things are happening for people in the background. They're thinking, well, this will be good for me. Survival. Self. Promotion. Bigger. 
better, more. And Jesus, several times, he says, you can actually hear him in the Gospels. He brings the crowds. He says, okay, disciples, everyone, I want you to hear this. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, the gate opener, the minimum requirement is that you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. A cross is a one-way ticket to Whoever loves their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will keep it, save it, find it. It's not wrong. There's there's seven different versions in the Gospels. They're all right. And, And I think the frustration of reading the Gospels is seeing that Jesus is calling them to this, all in, guys, all in. All in. And on the night of Jesus' betrayal, all out. All fleeing. What happens? Peter, yes, Jesus, I'll, I'll go to you, with you to the end. You know, as soon as those soldiers rock up, ready to arrest Jesus, the survival project kicks in. Self-preservation. And... And really, the only change, this, the wonderful story is that these cowards, I'm going to use those words because that's what it was, fear. Everything changes for them when the resurrection of Jesus Christ takes place. When Peter goes and sticks his head in that empty tomb and sees the grave clothes and nobody, something snaps in his life. And the account of Acts is that that, sits, that, that puts like a nuclear weapon underneath the 12 apostles. In the first few chapters of Acts, they're standing in courts. They're standing before governors articulately and elegantly proclaiming the resurrected Jesus. What happened? The third saying of the surrendered warrior is death is defeated. And... Something mysterious happens when we as believers contemplate the every empty grave and the resurrected Lord. There's a power in it. People over the last 2,000 of years have all given their testimony. But when we put our trust in the resurrected Christ, something transformational happens in the way that I see my life. I'm no longer given by the survival project. Death is defeated. Death has died. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 
Did you know the demeanour of the Christian, the birthright of the Christian is unashamed boldness? It sits right here. It's actually a physiological experience of just boldness in life. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You know that confidence. Death, Paul says, where is your sting? I want you to just get in touch by the Holy Spirit now. Just how much the fear of death is stealing your life. Some of you aren't showing up in the world as fully self-expressed, liberated human beings because that fear is still there. It masks who you are. We can't get the joy of your fully authentic expression in life because you haven't visited the empty grave in your heart. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying, where you thought there was a body, there's an empty grave. The Holy Spirit wants to minister the empty grave to every dead body that you've been keeping in the interior of your life. Revelation. Maybe, Jeremy, you can come up and help. Maybe the whole team can come up and help. Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, is a prophetic book. It's speaking about the end of times. It's speaking about the resurrected saints. And the author says, They, speaking of us, overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And the believer opens their mouth, it's powerful. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Why? Because it's defeated. I'm not going to provide resistance to something that's not there anymore for me. So we're just going to spend some time in worship. I just, I just pray that you'd be encouraged by the Word today. And something be planted in your heart, germinated in your heart, something fresh, something new, awakened in your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.